welcome to episode three of Oak Tree Pet Pod, the podcast from Oak Tree Animals Charity, keeping you up to date with life at the charity. This week, we'll explore the life and work of our equine team. Here's some of the tales of the horses and ponies we've been able to help and get some advice on preparing for a pony and what to do if things go wrong. Okay, so on this third pet pod, we're going to be really focusing on our equine and the work we've done with our equines. So I'm joined today by Vicky Dobbin, who is our equine supervisor, Amy, who is our equine rehomer, and Kaz, who's our head of animal welfare, to really start thinking about how we support equines in our community and on site as well. So Vicky, Hello. we haven't met you before on Footfords, so tell us all about yourself, or tell us what you love about horses, why equine welfare? I've been here six years now, developed the rehoming system in here as well, and we take all age groups in and all different needs and, and we liaise with other charities too and help and support them within our area. And that's really important because we're part of NUC, aren't we, which is a sort of a really great network of, of equine charities. Yeah, we apply to join NUC and they're really helpful in guiding us in any situations we need to be guided in. Puts us in contact with other charities, large and small, and we all try to work together and just find a better policies and procedures for, for horse welfare. And it's great because we can collaborate on stories as well and make sure equines get the right care that we they need by working with other charities. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later because there's been some great collaborative projects that we've got, we've worked with other new partners on. So Amy, tell us about your role. What do you do? So I care for the horses and I help with the rehoming process. So if someone is interested in a pony, I will try and match them up to whoever might suit and try and help them throughout the whole process and um, even after they've been rehomed if people need help if they've got problems or if they just need to ask questions then I'm here to help them along the way. Oh fabulous and equine is such a key part of our organisation it's actually where we started back in 1909 when we were founded as the National Equine Defence League campaigning for the welfare of pit ponies and has been really the cornerstone of our charity throughout that 110 years and it's really important today equine welfare is really key in our charity today isn't it Kaz? Yep it's, uh, it certainly is I think, as you say, it was the cornerstone of this charity. It's, it's what this charity was founded for. I think it continues to be at the forefront of this charity. And it's more important than ever, as more and more people are having horses for leisure activities rather than for work, that we're in a position to help advise and ensure that these horses are being looked after correctly and that people have honest expectations about the cost and the effort it takes to have a horse in their lives. Yeah, it's, it's not a quick decision, is it? <laughs> quite at all so Vicky obviously you've developed a lot of the work that we've done over the last four years in the charity as a charity our mission is obviously to look at animal welfare to look at education and really focusing on the community because obviously giving keep pets in homes where they're loved and cared for that's got to be the ideal so how do the equine team do that what do they do well obviously we get inquire quite a lot of inquiries um predominantly in the pony section obviously children outgrow them and parents then are left with them when children go off to university <laughs> yes. and obviously age dependent we try and help through that we try and if we feel a pony can go on and progress with another family we'll help but also people have to understand you know they have a responsibility horses are here for a, a long time you know that, that their age outlives most pets exactly and some of our listeners may not know that so how yeah. long can a horse live for but now with the improvement of medications and feed and everything else that co- comes along with the the care of a horse you know a lot are now living to 30 yeah, so it's a really big commitment. Yeah, if you're yes. taking it on, it's going to be a commi- big commitment for your life. Yeah. And, and people need to understand that that is for 30 years. Yeah. Because once a horse is probably, depending on the breed, you know, when they're hitting their 20s, then probably their leisure life is coming to an end. 
so then they become a companion and, and a lot of people don't want that they only want one that's actually going to provide something for them and, and we need to make people aware that these should become part of the families and, and you know they need to be responsible for them in their later years as well they can get as much out of one as a companion as they can as a widow and we use a lot of word of companion pony and you see that on our website but amy when we're looking at companion ponies what is a companion pony so horses are herd animals of course you don't really want to have one by itself so often if somebody's got a ridden horse and they want another one to accompany that they all come to us for a smaller pony that is easier managed yeah <laughs> and um, just to accompany their pony but often as well they get attached so you might need more than that so often one leads to having three (laughs) because you need one to accompany the one that's accompanying your pony. <laughs> and often we get calls where people have lost a pony and, and, and a pony's remaining by themselves or horses yeah. remaining by themselves and actually as you said horses are herd animals and it's really really important that they have that companion and that equine companion because yeah. it keeps that variation going. So there are other things that we do as a charity that sort of try and help with that decision making process we talked about and a couple of years ago you started your pony fun days Vicky. So how do they help people make decisions and get, get to know a little bit more about ponies? Well we introduced them really as a way forward to letting people know really that at Oak Tree we had ponies again and we were rehoming because because that kind of stopped for a length of time we wanted to embrace the local community to realize that actually you know we offer a really good service our rehoming fees are quite minimal because we want we want the ponies to just have good homes and good lives they're guaranteed security once a pony's maybe outgrown or circumstances change which can happen to absolutely anybody mm. you know nobody can know what's going to happen in the exactly. future everything returns back to us it safeguards the pony and, and people like that little bit of security they may never return to us but they like the security of knowing that pony will always be cared for and, and will be safe so by introducing the pony days we wanted to bring the children in and a lot of parents actually accompany them there yeah, you know they like to see what's going on as well that because a lot of parents aren't like horse savvy so when a child wants one you know they want to come and learn so we do although we make it a fun day we want the children to enjoy it we do make them look out we make them feel hayne you know we, we, we show them tack and, and we have a varied age group so some are really little you know they just want to come stroke the pony and understand but all <laughs> yeah. the way through we're trying to educate them explaining why the feet have to be picked out, how regularly they have them done. We discuss parts of the body and then we'll do, you know, we'll get one of our really quiet ponies and we we see if they've been listening to us and ask them to name parts of the body. And and we just want to make them aware that it's not just, you know, it's in the field, you go and stroke it, you give it a carrot and walk away from it. This is a 24-7 pet you're taking on and and we want them to understand them. And, and, you know, it's a great thing for a child to have the responsibility to look after a pony. It, It makes them have an empathy with animals, understanding that carries through right through to understanding other people and understanding you've got to care for them and the responsibility and I just think it's a really good form of education for a child. Well, as you said there, the parents come to company and that's really important because often it is the child that's leading that I want a pony, I want a pony yeah. and I'm sure as a kid I was annoying to my parents as well like I want a pony, I want a pony and it really, it's a whole family decision isn't it? Yeah. It's not just going to be that child saying I want a pony, it's a long commitment. I think if the parents come as well it's a really good opportunity to really help them understand just what that commitment is in terms of, of costs, yeah. um, veterinary uh, bills and, and your responsibilities yeah. to have your pony or horse seen to by the vet routinely for dentals, for various vaccinations. And I think a lot of people don't take all of that into account when they're saying, how much does a pony cost? Yeah. 
Yeah. They think it's just buying it and buying the tack. And we do advise them to join um, a riding school, you know, get the child to go regularly. I, I advise them to book them earlier lessons, make them get up, you know, make, yeah, them get up, make sure yeah. it's not just, you know, a one o'clock afternoon out for an hour. You know, make them understand it's a seven o'clock start and, you know, before school you have to do it. You know, we Even in the pouring rain, I can say that's the special weather. It's all weather muddy yeah. up to do. You know, we, we encourage the parents to make it hard for them, really, to realise that mum's not going to always muck it out going to be there and feed it and and i think it opens the parents eyes as well so we do advise them to you know go to a riding school they run husbandry courses for adults and children and do it with them so that you understand and you can help the child but ultimately make the child realize that it is their responsibility parents there just to support but it's as, it is good if they have the knowledge as well yeah absolutely and regardless of how well you plan as you said earlier sometimes things go wrong people's lives change and 30 years is a very long time people relocate people change jobs and it can fall apart but people lose land and sometimes actually horses do need to come in for rehoming and when a horse comes in it can be quite sad for people it's important that people don't feel judged and obviously people's circumstances change and actually things do break down and we need to look at how we rehome uh, or people need to make that difficult decision to rehome do you think of that sort of story that really affected us in that respect yeah the, um, a lady contacted us probably a year ago now yeah around about a year and sadly her mother had health issues and had to go into a home you know it's really really sad you know the lady had you know had a pony and two Shetlands she had and cared for them absolutely fine all her life and Obviously, when she, when she became poorly, her daughter took over the care of him, but wasn't really able to. She'd done absolutely nothing wrong, and she did, you know, she approached us. The pony's feet had come worn, had become quite badly overgrown, and in fairness, she'd had a farrier out, and because the pony was difficult, kick and farrier yeah. tried numerous of times, and then he didn't want to come, and you know, the, the lady did recognise there was a problem, so she approached us and asked if we could help. I went, we went out and visited. We got our vet to attend to attend to his feet straight away because they were yeah. significantly overgrown. But in fairness, the lady funded every part of that care. We had to vaccinate and we had to blood test. And, you know, she'd been a very responsible owner yeah, as far as she could. And, you know, these she had a strong connection with these with her mum. Yeah. And throughout the time, she was informing her mum as much as a mum could understand what was happening and, and where they were going and you know we, we, we guaranteed their care and and you know we found marvellous homes for them and, and in no time our, far, our farrier did a marvellous job and within no time at all Pony got to know us, trusted us, we got his feet in order and we, we found, found super homes, we did split them because it's hard sometimes when a group comes in like that we can't always guarantee they'll stay together we try our best but as a three that's a big take on for somebody yeah. so we did split them we took the pony away from the Shetlands. We managed to rehome the Shetlands together. It was a mother and son, which was they got a fabulous home, and we rehomed the pony as a companion. And he's he's got a super home too. And and I did continue to liaise with the daughter, and we informed her of that, and she was absolutely delighted. You know, she was obviously very nervous approaching us. Yeah, she understood the feet were overgrown, probably thought she was going to be judged, and obviously took the chance, which she didn't understand she was going to be prosecuted or anything, but she approached us. In, in my eyes, she was being responsible. Things had got out of hand. She'd been in a difficult situation. She wasn't at the best of health herself, and, you know, she took total responsibility for them, and we were there to help. 
Absolutely. And and I think a great outcome for, for everybody. It really was. And I think the feet are actually quite a common one, isn't yeah. it, in terms of overgrown feet and people being scared of being that judgment stops them yeah. seeking help. So if people do get into difficulty and find that actually something's changed in their circumstances. What, what do they do, Kaz? The most important thing is to get in touch with us as soon as they get into difficulty. Don't leave it until the matter gets really quite chaotic for them. So they, they shouldn't feel any apprehension or feel upset about getting in touch with us. I think we've got a really, really good reputation for helping people in a non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. Our main focus is the welfare of the animal. We want to be able to help the animal primarily but also the owners Mm. will do that by it could be advice it could be education it might be financial help through one of our outreach programs it may be that we can help the animal stay in the home which is the ultimate goal is but if we do need to bring the animal in then it's purely because that's the best outcome for the animal and the owner and we will do that in hopefully the most compassionate way we can. I think it's really important to remember that we all make mistakes yeah. and we all get ourselves into difficulties that are unforeseen. Yeah. We cannot predict the future. I wish we could. Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing. It's exactly what Vicky was yeah. saying before. Nobody can predict the future. Nobody knows what their life is going to be like. You can have huge changes in terms of your employment, in terms of your health. So there are a vast number of reasons why people might need to be home an animal and we are just here to help with that in the best way that we can. And Amy, we had a case last year, I think Little Rascal. Little boy, little boy, boy, gorgeous little pony. So do you want to tell us a little bit about his story? Because he was an amazing outcome. Yeah, Little Rascal was a really good story. So he came into us because we were contacted by his owner who was pressured by local community. She understood that things were getting out of hand and she needed the best for him and for herself. Um, just lots of circumstances were challenge- becoming a challenge with him. He was a four-year-old stallion, so... <laughs> he had lots of character, yeah, didn't he? he? Lots, lots of character. Of character. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely made you all aware of his presence, <laughs> to put it lightly. And she, she, she knew that she couldn't handle him. And, and once we had started liaising with her and she realised that we weren't judging her, we knew that the circumstances had just got out of control. She started to engage with us and she agreed, yeah, this is the right thing for both of us now. And she handed him over. And once we got him gelded and worked with him, he became a fantastic little pony and he's got an amazing home now. And we paired him up with another one of our Shetlands actually. So he went as a pair to a lovely home. And yeah, he's loving life now, but he's still a cheeky boy. (laughs) (laughs) Can you try and describe what an overgrown foot looks like and and what happens to the pony? A horse's foot is overgrown. They can't walk properly because it's like wearing some broken shoes. Yeah, it looks like a little pixie boot, doesn't it? Because it doesn't stop growing. The hoof doesn't stop growing. Yeah, yeah, the hooves are continually growing. And so their toes start curling upwards. And that's what had happened with him. So he was walking very rocky and he just, yeah, he was very overweight as well. So that didn't help. So he had bad feet, overweight. So the weight was putting pressure on the bad feet. And yeah, it was it was not a nice circumstance, but it seemed, it seemed fixes with a bit of time. It really does. And he was such he's such a great personality. And he was only with us for a short time, but he even made his way to Eden Valley Hospice, didn't he, Vicky? Yes, he did. 
Um, hence the name Little Waskell from the day, <laughs> from the day he came in. We named him that. It took no thinking about his name. But yeah, he loved people. He, he grew a personality. He realised he was special because of the attention. And although he was not, eh? and we're not saying he wasn't. He was a pickle. Let's call it yeah. that. He was endearing too. And once yeah. he got once he got gelded, you know, the, the, the aggressiveness turned to playfulness. In, fa- in fairness to the pony, he yeah. came around, and and yet yeah, we went to Eden Valley Hospice with him. And it, I mean, it was heartwarming to see how he was with you know children that weren't engaging and you know they wanted to stroke him and, and even you know the older people in there that were having treatment for illnesses and, and like we'd give him a bath and he was absolutely gleaming and he shook when we took him in and all his hair came out <laughs> you know, one, one gentleman said oh he's just like me and you know you could almost bring a tear to your eye but these men that were sat there it was a men's ward they were just yeah. sat there you know disengaged and you know you saw them going up and stroking him and he, put a smile on the face and yeah. you know we think it's just us he done that too because he was cheeky but he, he didn't and horse tends they do really sense i'm not saying yeah. any other animal doesn't but his whole demeanor you know from a cheeky little chappy he just dropped down a gear and knew he had to be aided there and it was it was absolutely endearing and it was a quality i didn't think he'd come in and never have <laughs> he was a real but, but real did, darling did, yeah and, and it's and, and that's the enjoyable part of our job doing things like that as well and and seeing a pony in a field that was a swamp with overgrown feet and over, overweight within a matter of months. You know, we put a lot of work into it, but they, they do it themselves. They, they engage with you when they, when they realise what you're doing for them. They give back as well. And, and he, if that's all he does for the rest of his life, he gave back the time and effort we put into him in that one afternoon. Oh, he's, he's such a joy. He really is. And earlier we talked about our collaboration with NUC, uh, the National Equine Welfare Council. Uh, we're a full member of the National Equine Welfare Council and we work alongside other charities within there often to provide great animal welfare or equine welfare. And one of the recent things we did involved quite a few ponies coming to us, didn't they, <laughs> Vicky? Yes, so do you, want to, do you want to tell us a little bit about that wonderful story? Yeah, um, like I say, we work closely with others and we, we, we have kind of liaised a lot and they helped us a lot when we were in the process of joining Nukes was World House Welfare at Blackpool and they've just they just recently had a new field officer who came up and introduced herself and, you know, we just met. And so we chatted with her and we said, you know, if ever anything's up in our area and, and you need help, we're here, you know, just give us a shout. And she'd obviously worked with RSPCA with a, a case. And I think there was a large number of horses involved. And I think there was a prosecution going ahead with a certain amount of them. But there was a group that they felt they just wanted to rehaul, get get them out of there. And, you know, there was no prosecution <laughs> case. And there was eight horses on the list, eight ponies on the list. And two were sh- two Shetland stallions, which we said, yep, yeah, we can take. And then there was a further mares and um, a young a youngster, which we presumed was one of the mares. We said said was seven to eight months old. Yeah. Was one of the mares and a stallion, which I think he was daddy. <laughs> <And laughs> he was he was certainly yeah. an eager boy. Yes. Yeah. And at that point, when we looked, we said, well, we can't take him unless he had been running with the stallions, the two yeah. Shetland stallions. We couldn't take him. We don't have the capacity to be able to split Absolutely. that many. So we agreed we'd take the mares. So we took seven horses, didn't so we, we, at one time, bless them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the two Shetland boys we put in an area on their own, and very quickly, they were, they were, the Shetlands were actually in quite good order, you know, the feet yeah. needed done, and, and we blood test everything when they come in for strangles to make sure, you know, we're disease-free, and they all needed vaccinated, and they all need passport in. So obviously when they came in, we were just starting to be affected by lockdown. And when they arrived, we kind of thought maybe one of the mares was in fold, but at this point, the vets weren't able to come out and scan. So that one was in full, we kept 
quite close high on eye on her and we kept looking at the others and you know they were in our intake area and it progressed and anyway we moved the mare once they'd had their three weeks intake we'd moved the mare out with the gelding that came with her he was a really kind little pony and we put her with her and obviously monitored her for him far we kept the other mares up where they'd come into kept monitoring them no signs of anything so our first foal arrived which we kind of expected and he arrived on the 19th of <laughs> April real good big healthy he was gorgeous wasn't foal. he yeah absolutely <laughs> delighted everything went well she'd had him obviously early hours of the morning we came in no problems really good mum obviously being a mum before no issues happy as Larry excellent and I think Amy you got the joy and privilege of finding a name for him so yeah. what was your thought process about that well, look, it was it was a difficult decision to name a pony, but because he was such a bold, strong boy, I decided to call him Cosmo, and I think he suits his name. He's a he's a darling. He's my little baby. He does. He loves his <laughs> he loves his zoomies around the field, doesn't he? Does, he's a he complete does. zoomie around the field. But it didn't just stop there, no. because Vicky, <laughs> <laughs> nice explain surprise. what happened then. <laughs> yeah, well, we continued to monitor them, and everything seemed okay. And again, like I say, the vets weren't really coming out. They were just they were just attending emergencies. Came out, checked obviously Izzy and Cosmo after the birth, yeah. everything alright, got the vets to check the other mares while they were here. We took the opportunity. Yeah. yeah happy enough, everything was alright, still not really showing any signs. No, she was really felt, hiding beautifully, wasn't yeah, she? Felt and, and she probably was one of the poorer ones when she yeah. came in. Um, anyway, two weeks later. Amy went up just to hay the mares and rang me, said we have another fall. <laughs> it was a bit of a shock. So yeah, a little bit a shock and couldn't believe that there hadn't been any signs or anything. So yeah. obviously, I, well, everybody felt it was the first fall she'd had. So we rang the vet and Paul came out straight away. He was happy with the mare, was happy with the foal. So we moved them to a paddock next door to the other mare and foal. And really from that day on, She's been a super mum. I can't tell you, she's absolutely amazing. She's and, a beautiful yeah. little filly, isn't she? She's absolutely yeah. beautiful. And we put out a competition for her mm-hmm. name because of, we don't get to name foals very often. So we, don't, we, don't, we don't often get this sort of excitement. So we had, we've had a public competition and you've got lots of entries, haven't you, Amy? Yeah, we did. We had quite a good response from the competition and it was a difficult choice. We had lots to choose from, didn't we, Vicky? Yeah. Um, but... She, she's just a perfect little foal. She's just gorgeous, isn't she? Yeah. So we decided to call her Daisy. She's just so delicate and she just suits it so well. As soon as we've seen it, we all said, that's the, that's yeah. the name, that's what we should call yeah. her. She's, yeah. such, she's such a wobbler. She's just, <laughs> she just thinks out she's brilliant. But obviously that was part of a collaboration with other charities and we, we collaborate with other charities such as World Horse Welfare and the RSPCA and the Donkey Sanctuary. But that really all comes through being part of Neek. And what Caroline really... We do that with our dogs and cats as well through ADCH. What does collaboration with other charities mean for animal welfare? I think it it brings with it a lot of advantages. Uh, Obviously, there is the capacity to share a lot more knowledge. People have different experiences. People have come across different challenges within each of their organisations. So being a part of this larger group means you get that group knowledge. So you're not reinventing the wheel every time something new comes along. (laughs) That's that's always a, a great help. It also gives you more avenues to to work with people in those sort of cases where one charity or one organization might be overwhelmed for example with the the seven horses we were just talking about that's an area we can go in and help and conversely if we were in that same situation 
another charity might be able to come in and help us. Absolutely. Uh, so there's a sharing of resources, physical resources mm. as well as, as the academic resources. So, so the, yeah, a lot of benefits and knowing that you're not in this alone. I exactly. Think is, it's crucial as well. And I think the only way we can advance our welfare is by working together. Uh, we are so much stronger to get our messaging out to the public and to every, every horse owner and dog and cat owner for that matter, by working together to get that shared messaging and that importance. One of our biggest challenges, I think, yeah. as with every small charity, finance is an issue. We rely on the generosity of our supporters and our supporters are truly, truly amazing. And actually a lot of our equines, I mean, particularly for the younger ones, so we had blue and red a few years ago. Some of you may, who come to our site may have met our cheeky blue and red cobs who were abandoned on the fells. And these two foals that come through will be with us for three years. And we do that, obviously, so we can make sure that they get the best start in life so should they ever need to be returned to us we know they've actually got a really great chance of rehoming we haven't got to put right any of the initial stages of development which are so important to ensuring that horse has a really strong future so we keep about three years so at that point so we, we will break them we will handle them we'll make sure that they're they're ready to go but that does put a huge financial burden on the charity and so we've got the sponsorship scheme that we yeah. put together for our youngsters and for those who are a little bit older who again can't fit through absolutely no fault of their own but actually won't be rehomed because they've got medical issues and bits like that and we've got a few of those as well so and what, abs- oh, ask, what sort of information do people get when they uh, sign up to the sponsorship those who sponsor actually just get to update and really feel a part of their pony's life so they get their colour photo and they get a fact sheet they'll get a little certificate of sponsorship and as well as keeping updates on whichever animal they're sponsoring they'll also get our newsletter which gives them information about the wider charity as well so it really does make a huge difference to the charity and the work we can do and even our new foals Cosmo and Daisy have got their own sponsorship package and (laughs) who wouldn't want to sponsor these absolute babes but yeah so if anyone did want to do that any of our listeners did want to get involved with sponsorship you can look at our website under the sponsorship section or just drop an email to info at oaktreeanimals.org.uk and we'll direct you to the sponsorship programme and Vicky, if we aren't able to help, what what can we do? Well, we can we can advise them if it if it's like a care issue or or a horse has developed a problem and it and it needs veterinary care or, or or a guide on how to get back on the right track that way. You know, we'll give it that, or we'll we'll, we'll advise them who to approach for that. And if if as a charity we aren't capable of being you know because we are small and we have we have a limit of what we can of course help. yeah you know we'll try and guide them towards another charity that we know is bigger and and we think well this is the kind of thing they deal with you know because some charities are a sanctuary yeah and we'll give an older horse a, a place for the rest of its life you know they are few and far between but we have links with them yeah. and we can advise and we can't promise anything but we can certainly try and help them to go down the right path Absolutely, it's finding the right specialism because yeah. each charity has its own specialist, has its yeah. own skills and its own techniques, and it's actually finding the right support for the for that owner at that time. Yeah, uh, because really, one size doesn't fit all. Um, so there are always options and always ways we can either advise or help directly. Yeah, and sometimes actually people aren't looking to be home; they're just looking for a bit of support. I mean, you get those sort of calls quite a lot, don't you, Vicky? Yeah, we do, and 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 a lot of them are coming from ponies we've actually homed. Um, when when somebody comes into us, you know, we, we tell them from day one we're there for the rest of the, the rehoming life. We support Absolutely. them, and and some people feel silly asking a question. <laughs> you know, they think, oh, I don't know that. They think I can't look after the horse, but there's so many issues 
that go with horses that <laughs> the unexpected you, you don't know everything <laughs> you know you don't know everybody you're always learning learn. yeah. you're always learning and we, we you know we we might laugh we might think it's something so simple and we'll laugh and say oh yeah we've had one like that and we'll guide them that way and we break down that barrier that actually you know there's no shame in not knowing everything about everything that's life <laughs> yeah. just, just ask Absolutely. the question um, we'll help if we can and if we can't and you don't feel you can approach your vet well we'll ask our vet we'll ask that vet for you and, and it doesn't we'll even have back. to be one of our ponies does it it could be yeah, anyone if, if, if you're there and you okay. want a little bit of support yeah. that's what we're here for yeah because and there's so many different ways with the horse there's no wrong way yeah it's what's right for that individual yeah. horse and, and something we might say might just make it fit. A huge thank you to all of our supporters who make all of this happen. You are, truly are amazing. In our next episode, we'll be joined by Vet Graham Lewis from Paragon Vets, talking all about parasites and how to prevent them. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email them to info at oaktreeanimals.org.uk and we'll do our best to answer them. Thank you so much for listening to Pet Pod. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.